To all who come to our happy place, welcome to the No Guilt Disney Podcast, where we have no guilt about our love for all things Disney. We are two, but usually three, Disney fangirls who probably know more about the Disney parks than three grown women should, and we're perfectly okay with that. You know, Teresa, we're so okay with that. We have an entire podcast blog, like all kinds of stuff. This is what we do. We like to talk about it. Um, our third is Jane. Jane is not here today. Uh, life, whatnot, work, you know how it goes, people. Uh, we just couldn't make her, we couldn't fit it in and get you an episode out in a timely fashion. So she said, go ahead and record without her. I am Patty Holiday with the No Guilt Universe. That's NoGuiltDisney.com, um, No Guilt Enterprises, No Guilt Fangirl, No Guilt Life. I mean, it's just, it's a whole thing that I've put together. And of course, obviously, this is the No Guilt Disney podcast. Welcome. Uh, I am on all socials at No Guilt Life. Hello, everyone. I'm Teresa. You can find me on Twitter at Gertie the Dino and sort of soon possibly resurrecting Disney stuff on my Instagram account at the same name. I also talk about accessibility and stuff including relating to Disney over on my Instagram account at Accessible Influence. All right. So Teresa and I are here to bring you a little bit of news, a couple of things that have popped up over the last couple of weeks. I don't know. There might be something for us to talk about in that realm, maybe. And there's something that we may all have, you know, traded some some commentary, traded some memes. Some, some there's some big things may have happened in the last few weeks. Maybe, maybe. So we'll get to that. <laughs> but uh, we are going to run down a, a couple of little uh, newsish type items here. Again, this is one of our hodgepodge episodes, but we enjoy them and also try to only do them when. I don't know when there's a reason we're not like your breaking news Disney podcast by any means. However, some of this stuff we got to talk about. And I think today's episode absolutely falls under that category. Um, first and foremost, what is happening December 8th? And why do Disney people need to understand this date, Teresa? So December 8th is everybody's favorite topic. Ticket price increases. Woohoo! And yeah. there, there was a lot of news that came out about the price increases. I think the most significant one that if especially for people who are maybe planning a trip to Florida and just stopping by for a day, uh, one thing that you need to know is for one day tickets, there is now going to be dynamic pricing, not just for the day that you're going, but also the park that you're choosing. So Magic Kingdom is going to have a different price than Animal Kingdom, which would have a different daily price than Epcot. So it's something if you're trying to make your plans, if you're thinking of going to Disney and you're doing a one day ticket, uh, it's you will want to go kind of double and triple check what the cost of that will be. One of the nice things about doing it that way is it kind of not eliminates the park reservation, but essentially it makes that park reservation for you. So you won't have to go remember that extra step of, okay, I picked the day I'm going to Disney and now I have to go in and choose, you know, make sure I got the park that I'm going to. If you wanted to change parks, like if you decide, oh no, I don't want to do that park that day. I want to go to a different one. I that might be probably a little more complicated once you've kind of locked in your price for a certain day, but it's something, yeah, I would say the, the one day ticket price increase, there's going to be other general price increases 
for tickets for multi-day. And they announced that that is also going to be the day that annual pass price increases go out. But don't get too excited about that. For those of you who are thinking that means you can now go purchase a new annual pass, they have confirmed that is not happening. Uh, We likely won't see annual passes back until 2023 at some point in time. But if if your renewal window opens and it's time for you to renew your annual pass, you're going to see a price increase. That is correct. Uh, Not to confuse things like, I don't know, Disney's not confusing in any way, shape or form. Uh, However, Disneyland had like this pop-up annual pass sale uh, just last week where all of a sudden they were like, oh, by the way, if you want an annual pass, they're available now, go get them. And no joke, people sat in the queue for 17 to 24 hours in some cases to get through to buy these annual passes. Do you think Taylor Swift had to wait? (laughs) I see what you did there. Um, Yeah. Hi, it's me on the problem. It's me because I was also in both queues at the same time (laughs) trying to um, score some Taylor Swift tickets. Did not did not, was not successful. Sorry to my daughter. Um, but I also ended up giving up on the annual pass for Disneyland as well, just because I ain't got time for that. And they'll come back on sale at some point. Like I'm not local, so it wasn't, you know, hyper, but I will tell you, I was thinking ahead. I was kind of playing the long game. If, well, not if Ren Disney is coming back, we know that, but if Ren Disney comes back with more than one race weekend, an annual pass makes the most sense for me. So I was just like, you know what, I'm going to try to get in there. I'm going to try to make an annual pass happen at Disneyland. That way, when those races come back, I'll be in a good spot to just keep renewing rather than having to worry about if I can buy an annual pass for the Ren Disney race season. Again, that's all conjecture. I'm not saying that there's going to be more than one race. There could be six races. We don't know yet. Disney has not told us anything, but that was my thought process. However, after the queue situation for three days with Taylor and then popping over and doing the same thing at Disney, I had just had enough. I bounced out. So somebody was able to uh, buy my annual pass. You're welcome. Um, (laughs) Anyway, um, it was kind of crazy. It was, they were on sale. I think honestly it was about 24 hours and then what they had allotted to give away were gone. Um, And some of them went very quickly. So again, at Disneyland, there's different levels of annual passes and just like there's at Disney world and some of those levels you were not able to get, even if you sat for 24 hours, by the time you got through, the pass you wanted may not have even been there available for you. It was wild. All that to say, well, Disney World people, just be prepared um, when they do reopen. I, I, I don't think that, I don't, traditionally, traditionally, the, the desire and the need for an annual pass at Walt Disney World hasn't been as strong as it is at Disneyland, but also who knows, you know, the longer that uh, it goes time passes without people getting their annual passes, the more they may be really jonesing for them. And so it could end up being another situation like that, where whenever these do come back on sale, uh, you might have to be sitting in one of those Ticketmaster type queues (laughs) waiting for a long time to get through. Bless it. Uh, 
All right. So that's it. Yeah. Things are happening December 8th. We know all these increases are going in advance. If you want tickets before then for the rest of the year, I would suggest you go ahead and purchase them now. Um, there's all kinds of ticket resellers out there that are legitimate that also have some somewhat of a, of a discount going. Um, Getaway Today Travel. Um, what's the frog company? Why can't I think of it? Theme Park. Theme Park. Frog, right? Is that yeah. it? Hold on. So I'm sorry. This is obviously not sponsored or prepared in any way, but I know that they exist. Oh, Undercover Tourist. Undercover Tourist. Yeah. <laughs> like they're the frog people. Um, okay. Undercover Tourist. Uh, I've, I've purchased through them. They're great. They're legit. So there are some legit options out there um, to, to purchase that way that you might find a, a few dollars less. And I am talking a few dollars less. But And it, I will say their Instagram account is Theme Park Frog. So yeah, that's see, why. okay. That's what it was. I saw my, that's, that's, that's it. Okay. Uh, all right. So um, that's that. Uh, other news that is happening. We've got a couple of attractions announcements. Uh, one is happening over at Disneyland. And this isn't coming to fruition until February 24th. That is the date you want to mark on your calendar if you are a Disneylander. But you are finally getting Magic Happens Parade. You are going to get um, a brand new slash old parade. I, I don't even know what to call this because it was out for, I think, three weeks before COVID shut it down. Yeah, it was it was very quick when it it first debuted, and then everything closed. So very few people have seen this parade in person. That's true. That's true. you can I think you can see it on uh, YouTube and such. Um, but this is part of the Disney 100 celebration, and Disneyland Resort is kicking off Disney 100 celebration, and so I think that's why they were finally ready to go with this parade. Uh, again, that's going to be February 24th, and. Uh, it's beautiful. I, the pictures and the music, I, again, haven't seen it in person, just what I caught when that first debuted. I only saw very positive reactions for this parade. I think there was like one person that I saw was kind of like, ah, it's meh, like it's fine. Like that they might be, they might be like me who is just not a parade person. Like I don't really, I, I, I'm not a big parade person. However, this one looks great. This one looks interesting they have this gorgeous moana float and um an encanto no a cocoa float not encanto they had a because i don't think encanto is out yet no not at that time <laughs> yeah not at that time so it's a cocoa float so um absolutely stunning beautiful brand new floats uh again this thing had like a three-week run max i don't even know if it was that long uh so kind of exciting for for disneyland to have this coming back um on the uh, on Disney World, what do, what do you have going on? What do you what do we know about that's happening there? Teresa? So for Walt Disney World, we we all know that Splash Mountain was going to be ending its run in its current format, so it could um, be closed as they could start prepping it for Tiana's Bayou Adventure. And so we have the official closing date. So it will be January twenty second, twenty twenty two. Will be the last day you can ride Splash Mountain as it is. And then the closure will start on January 23rd. And that is just for Walt Disney World. They have not announced what the closing date will be for Disneyland's yet. And it makes sense to me because I do think with Disneyland's being very, very closely adjacent to New Orleans Square, I think that in terms of like the surrounding area, there's going to be a little less work that they need to do on the attraction. There's going to be a lot more that has to get done with, with the Tiana's that's going to be within Frontierland to kind of make it a, you know, 
feel like you're down at the bayou. So we have, but yeah, the the official closing date, January 23rd, 2022. Yes. Yeah, so that means you run Disney types. If you want to ride Splash Mountain one more time, because Splash Mountain goes away forever in America in 2023. Okay. So um, if you want to ride Splash Mountain, you want to do this uh, during the race weekend of Marathon Weekend. Princess Half Marathon Runners, it will not be available for you. It will not be available probably through the entire year is my guess. I, yeah, I think it's late 2024 is um, when they're supposed to open. Yeah, I actually read somewhere there was a quote from USAA t- USA Today uh, that said, Disney World told USA Today there was no need to say late anymore for Florida's attraction, but simply 2024. So it may be sooner than later in 2024, uh, maybe by Marathon Weekend next year or by Princess Half Marathon Weekend in 2024, you can plan to see Tiana. Um, but it, it's definitely, it's going down. It's going to be closed for a while. And this is going to be a whole reimagination of the, the ride, the attraction. It's not, uh, they have clarified it's, it's not a retelling of Princess and the Frog. So while... You know, don't think that you're going to sit there and watch basically the movie as you're as you're going through, right? So it's not a retelling of it. Uh, it happens about a year after the animated film ends, and uh, Tiana now wants to basically make her community be successful as well. And she opens Tiana's Foods, which is an employee owned co op. I don't know. I thought that that was kind of a they're, they're getting kind of deep here in the in the explanation. But anyway, um, uh, there's going to be a, an employee-owned co-op built into a new inc- incarnation of Splash Mountain. Uh, so we'll see what happens with all of this. I have to say, as far as a retheming is concerned, I'm super excited about this. I think Tiana is one of those uh, wonderful, absolutely fantastic stories and she's a great princess and I just don't think she has enough like we don't have enough representation of her in any of the parks so I'm excited that they're doing this and what actually like tipped me over the edge is some wonderful person on Twitter went and they over over spliced or however you call it obviously I'm not technical but the music from Princess and the Frog through a ride through of Splash Mountain. So you could kind of get an idea of what it could be or what kind of what what you can look forward to. And it it fits, at least it fit to me. Teresa, I know you feel a little bit differently, particularly at Walt Disney World versus Disneyland as far as like the location of the ride. But obviously, well, and I'll say that's it. why that's why I'm happy that they are giving it more time. Like yeah. they're they're giving it. I, I imagine they're going to want the opening date to be the same for both. Um, so I, I'm glad that they they will potentially be giving more attention to that area just to make sure that it feels like a seamless. You know, like you're walking through seamlessly, whether you're coming from Adventureland or coming from the side of Frontierland. I'm glad they're giving it more time. I do also like the fact that because of the the rethink that they chose and some of the art that they've shown us, I think that there's a lot of opportunity for some of the animatronics that you see in Splash Mountain mm-hmm. to be saved, for lack of a better word. Like the animatronics, they still they could still be reused within the attraction. And that's something that's always important to me are some of those just the things that you grew up with 
to be able to kind of see them, even if it's seeing them in a new way or maybe with some new movements. I just love the little turtles. I love, (laughs) give me just a couple little turtles and I'll be happy. (laughs) Listen, I have no doubt that they will keep some of those Easter eggs in there. There's no way that they're just going to scrap them, right? So I I have a feeling we're going to see some of that as well. Um, You know, and I have to say, we're going to use this quote and lead into our next topic. This quote came from... Disney CEO, Bob Iger, (laughs) March, 2020, he said, I felt as long as I've been CEO, that song of the South was even with a disclaimer was just not appropriate in today's world. And that's it. That's the bottom line. That's why they are looking at, you know, you got to think about it from this point of view. I know a lot of people feel very strongly about Splash Mountain, but here was my thought was if it's a movie that is so problematic and is, is so wrong that Disney, you can't watch it. Like you can't see it anywhere. You can't get it. It is so deeply like shoved down into the vault, but yet there were these two very big, like flagship rides, right. In, in the, the, the parks, I understand. I mean, to me, that's a very clear sign of like the right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing, you know? So that's one reason why I'm, I have no problem with them doing this retheming. And I think Tiana was a perfect fit. Uh, and I'm kind of excited that Bob Iger is going to be able to be here to see it through. Let's yeah, talk that, about this. Let's talk about this. <laughs> because this was, you know, a, a Sunday night news bomb on what was that uh, the 20th the 20th November okay. 20th let me tell you what happened i was on a plane i went to texas uh, for the ho- or for the Thanksgiving week. And I got off the plane and I'm walking through the airport going down to meet my father-in-law who is picking us up. And right as we see him, i pulled up my phone and saw the news. And i think i even let out an expletive in the middle of the a very non-Disney expletive in the middle of uh, Dallas Love Airport. And he was like, oh, it's good to see you too, Patty. And I was like, okay, sorry. I got. Ex- I, I had to try to explain this to him. Somebody who does not speak Disney, does not know Disney, does, is not into Disney at all. I had to explain like why the world was blowing up right at that moment. It was really weird. It was like seven o'clock central time that this was all happening, eight o'clock, something like that, right? Yes. Uh, so where I first saw the news, or I knew something was coming, because there are some some people I follow on Twitter who I trust, like, you know, very reliable with their mm-hmm, news. Mm-hmm. And one of them just tweeted the word, what? And that was it. And I'm like, oh, something's coming, because they would not be sharing that if it was anything not Disney-related. Like, just the, the person... I knew something was coming. And then a few minutes later, you have, you know, the breaking news. Bob, you know, Bob Chapik has been fired. Bob Iger is coming back. And it, I think it's fascinating the way that this got announced internally was that it was an email that was from Disney CEO Bob Iger. And so many people who were cast members saw that. And their first instinct was, did somebody's email get hacked? Like everybody, because they were just so confused because it that it didn't get announced by a press release. It right. got announced by him sending an email to cast members. And it took everyone a few minutes to read through it and process that no, this is a legitimate email that has come out. This this transition in leadership is actually happening. 
Well, and the story goes that this is all happening also during the live uh, taping of the Elton John for Disney Plus. And so a lot of the Disney bigwigs were there and, you know, they basically said, I just checked my email and was like, are y'all seeing this? And I was like, could you imagine in the middle of this concert or I get, I don't think the concert had started, but the point being like, well, it, it took everybody by yet. surprise. It hadn't started yet. And that's important to note because Bob Chapek was supposed to be the one to introduce him. Right. And right. I, that obviously did not happen. So it was because I was waiting for, they were live streaming it on Disney plus and I was waiting for that to begin. So it was within the hour of the concert starting. It might've even been within 30 minutes of it starting. It was not, it This was all happening (laughs) at the same time. (laughs) It was wild. And, you know, I I know that sounds so strange that um, there was so much excitement or so much drama that was around this announcement. But if you've listened to any of our recordings, you know, well, how Teresa in particular feels (laughs) about uh, the JPEG era. Uh, It was not her favorite. In fact, I think when we talk Disney villains and your favorite Disney villain... (laughs) I forgot about that. Yeah, no, that was you. That was you. He, you spit out that he was your 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 number one Disney villain. Um, I stand by my statements. Hey, listen. Obviously, you weren't wrong, right? Um, you know, it's just been one of these things where there's been a lot of like armchair quarterbacking. We don't know what's going on behind the scenes or whatever. But for example, like Jane and I would talk about it from a business perspective, and and every time the shareholders would get together or every time they would announce, uh, you know, just incredible growth and yada, 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 and lots of money making, whatever. We just kept going as much as it hurts. And as much as we don't like personally, some of the changes that were happening, say in the parks, as long as that was making Disney in general money, we figured Chapek was safe. And he was even in theory considered safe. Mm hmm. Up to this summer, because in June, earlier this year, the board extended his contract for another three years, which is also part of what made this feel so far out of left field, because they had just reaffirmed that they did have confidence in him and the work that he was doing. And I'll say, I also, I come from a marketing background. That's the work I do. And so even though some of the things may have made sense from a business perspective, I a lot of my criticism were not just out of decisions that were being made, but being someone who works in marketing, it was the way that he represented himself, that he was like the representative of Disney. If you're the CEO and you're in that position, you represent that brand. And he did do as nicely as I can say it. I feel like he just did not have a lot of the characteristics and he in my mind clearly did not have the passion for it that several of his predecessors had and i feel like generally he just did not understand that the product of disney is not product in terms of here's our movies here's the product is not here's our you know the toys that you can buy the product is that the feeling of disney that's what it is and it's i feel like 100%. he never made that connection I completely agree. And it and it was almost like he willful, like, like he, and he wasn't going to try it, right. it, it. He had zero interest in, in that being that way. Uh, back in the day, I used to advocate, you know, people to go to the Disney parks and whatever. I'm like, it's just, it's, it's like talking six flags versus Disney. You don't have that 
that warm, fuzzy feeling when you go to Six Flags, right? You can still get on awesome rides and have great experiences on attractions and such, but you don't walk away with this all-encompassing, like, I don't know, hug, <laughs> magic. Like That's why we, we use those words when we describe things about the Disney parks in, in, in particular, but, you know, and that, that flows through the entire, to use one of his favorite words, you know, synergy <laughs> throughout the entire company. Like that's how I would feel about a lot of their um, products that they do put out, such as the movies and the TV shows and that sort of thing. Like there really was something that made Disney different. And Bob Chapek never got that. He, and he didn't care to get it. And he and didn't matter how much people told him that's what you need to do. I don't think he, I just think he was like, no, I'm just a business guy. I'm just going to do, I'm looking at the bottom line and we're just going to do that. And I agree with you. I think that's one of the key things that was missing through this whole experience was you just never, you never got that he actually cared like the fandom cares. And why does that matter? Because we're the ones showing up at the parks. We're the ones showing up at your movies. We're the ones signing up for Disney Plus. We're the ones giving you money. And I'll admit, some of that ha- absolutely has to do with that warm, fuzzy feeling that I had, as much as I really enjoy the products that they give me as well, right? So it is, they go hand in hand. You're completely like spot on in that sense. And it was just a PR fail from the beginning that they picked this guy, which, by the way, who picked this guy? I mean, it well, and this is where I Bob mean, Iger you, picked this. You guy. can put your tinfoil hat on here because if you go back and remember, Bob Iger, his retirement also came out of left field. It was very unexpected, and it happened in February of 2020. And yep. there were some things going on in the world in February of 2020, and I think some people could see more clearly what was to come in the future than others. And I am not saying Bob Iger was like, I'm out. Like, I guarantee you Bob Iger could see what was coming because of his international connections and relationships. I have no doubt he understood the situation we were all about to be in with COVID. I know there are a lot of people who theorize that the reason it was Bob Chapek is because he was not the fuzzy, warm, feely person. Mm-hmm. And in the time of COVID, when things were going to be challenging and tough decisions were going to need to be made, he could very easily do that without the emotion behind it. Right. He would be the per- Like, I think that the reason he was chosen, he was not prepared for this kind of role mm-hmm. long term. He was not prepared on how to to think of the Disney brand as a whole beyond, you know, budgets and cost and financing. He he was never in my mind going to be a good long-term fit for this, which is why when they extended the contract for 3 years um this summer, I did find that really surprising. I don't think that they anticipated his firing to come like this either, but I, I do believe that he was put in that position not because they thought big picture he would steer the company into the future, but he would make those in the short term when they needed tough decisions to be made. He could do that and he would, you know, again, have the emotion taken out of it. And to be fair, to be fair, I think Disney did come out of the whole pandemic situation a lot stronger than a lot of a lot of places. So I will give them credit for that. And you, you, you are, you are right. I mean, and I remember having that discussion also, you know, 
with other people is just, was he the right guy at the right time? But as you're pointing out, definitely not long-term, definitely something that, um, you know, maybe signing on for three more years, they had buyer's regret (laughs) as soon as they did that. And then there's also all these other little rumors niggling out there that are trickling out that people are saying that it, it may have also happened so suddenly in November for reasons that we may or may not know ever the truth on. Um, some are saying that there that there was a, I'm trying to think of how to say this correctly, that he was like putting something in bucket A that should have been in bucket B on the financials. Oh, yes. Let's talk about this. Okay. Um, yes. And so, yeah, so his firing, and as much as oh, we have, I personally have complained about decisions he's made about the theme parks on the podcast. I know other people, I know cast members have been very mm-hmm. unhappy recently. This firing had nothing to do with the theme parks. Let's be mm-hmm. very honest about that. And, this and that's, I think, nothing to do with the theme parks. And I think that's something that everybody listening needs to understand as much as we are big theme park people and all of our, yay, let's hope for the future. Let's hope Bob Iger changes everything back in the theme parks back to the way they were. I think Teresa and I are on the same page where we don't see, maybe there's some changes that happen. There could be, but we don't see like big overwhelming sweeping changes going because the theme parks weren't fi- from, you know, from a financial point of view anyway, they weren't, they weren't the problem. <laughs> there was other problems <laughs> and that's the reason why he was let go. So, right. And we'll talk, we're going to talk a little bit more at the end of the podcast Mm -hmm. about some of the things that we know people want to see change and likelihood they will happen. But again, let's remember when it was announced, he was coming back. The contract is for two years. And this is specifically to redo the process of finding a successor and preparing them for not, you know, preparing for the role at large and for leading Disney into the future. I do think Bob Iger, as he comes in, I think he's acknowledged there are some things about the theme parks right now that just don't work or work well. And Mm -hmm. I do think there's going to be some some changes, some changes that happen. I think some of them are going to be changes that would have happened anyway. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I think we can't just say, oh, Bob's back. So look at all the things that have happened. I think some of the changes that are going to come like next year, annual passes returning. Yes, they're going to happen while he's in charge. Probably would have happened anyway. So, Teresa, now let's be honest. You know, everybody's going to say, Bob, you saved us. Thank you, Bob, because he's Bob Iger. Like, everybody really likes Bob Iger. (laughs) So, but I agree with you. Like, in reality, we're all, some of this stuff likely could have changed anyway, uh, but he's going to get the credit for it. And you know what? He seems to be an all right guy as far as I'm concerned. So I don't mind letting him like collect those. But I'm also not naive enough to think that it's Bob doing all of this on his own in a vacuum, right? So Right. So, okay, so, but, so we'll what are some about, of the yeah. problems? Yes. What was the why did why did Chapik get fired? Why do we think or what have we seen that leads us to like because again even if it wasn't super sudden, it was, it definitely, uh, you know, I read a lot of like, you know, stuff in the industry and they were all taken by surprise too. Not that they weren't taken by surprise that Bob Iger didn't like Chapek and that he had issues with the way he was running the company. Apparently Iger has been going all over town and telling people this um, for months. So that's not the surprise, but the surprise was how it was handled. And again, like Sunday night, news like it was right before thanksgiving it was very it was weird right so yes and this happened 
within a few days or within a week of the fourth quarter earnings report. Yes. So again, this was a financial decision. And ultimately, what this comes back to is Disney Plus. Disney Plus costs a lot of money from the production standpoint. Disney Plus does is not making money. It is losing some significant amounts of money. And what Patty was alluding to in terms of buckets of money being put in one place or the other, some of that had to do with they did some unethical things in terms of attributing marketing budgets maybe to the TV side if they were to show the first two episodes of a show that's going to be debuting a Disney Plus. It's a Disney Plus original, but if they air those first two episodes of a show on the Disney Channel, then they can put a lot of the the pre, you know, pre-distribution marketing over to, to Disney Channel and take that away from the bottom line for Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. I know one of the other big issues and a lot of people have brought this up and have talked about it was another person who was let go was Kareem Daniel, who was the person that I can't remember the full title, but essentially was the one Bob Chapek decided that there would be a new division of Disney or a new branch of it where there's a single person who decides how things are marketed, what goes to streaming, what's going to theaters, what's going to TV, kind of making that decision across the board. And there has been a lot of talk over the last year about how and why they've decided certain things going to Disney Plus as a debut, having a theatrical debut. The recent theatrical debut of Strange World did terribly. And again, as a marketer, I feel like they really dropped the ball with that. And I wouldn't be surprised if part of it is to say, oh, our movies are not doing well in theaters now. We should just push everything to Disney Plus. I see that. And it started with Black Widow. It started with Black Widow. Um, the last few Pixar releases mm-hmm. all got pushed to Disney+. Plus. I know a lot of leadership at Pixar was not happy about that. So I think um, Christine McCarthy, who is the CFO of Disney, she was the one who really turned after, after the quarterly earnings report, um, was not happy with, I guess, how things were being represented and kind of how things were happening behind the scenes. So it was the Friday night, November 18th was when they got in touch with Bob Iger and were like, what, what is it going to take to get you to come back? And then two days later (laughs) is when all of these announcements are being made. So yeah. So this, like I said, purely a financial decision, mostly out of the fact that Disney plus has not been successful. And rather than, thinking through how to actually improve Disney Plus or how to make it a more viable product. Bob Chapik was moving things around in ways that shouldn't have been done. They were not, they were trying to control things from a financial standpoint, not thinking about creatively how that's going to impact um, like the movies and people seeing all of their, their movies, entertainment, um, And just kind of like even the way he starts talking about synergy and his whole thought, even with the theme parks, he would talk about, okay, how are we going to integrate Disney Plus with their theme park experience? He was so focused on Disney Plus, but not doing that very well and not coming up with anything that was actually going to make it financially viable. And I think it can be like, I I definitely think it can be. I think that the content on there is great, but the approach that they took in terms, especially in terms of like, we are going to skip the theater experience and try to force everything on Disney Plus to force people to pay to pay on there to have you know 
immediate viewing or to just try and get people to sign up for it once something debuts on there. I feel like they were so stuck on that and they just couldn't get out of it. And they just kept digging a deeper hole. Right, right. No, um, it's and it's interesting because I listened to a podcast. I'm trying to remember the name of it. I'm, I'm looking on my my player. If I can figure it out, I will definitely share what it was. But um, I was listening to a podcast and it was some folks who are in, in the industry in, in Hollywood and they were talking a lot about this. And something else kind of to keep in mind is that these folks um, opinion was that whoever does take over a CEO, guys, it's not going to be Josh tomorrow. <laughs> Um, I mean, it could be, I, I, who knows, they may be totally wrong. I may be totally wrong on that, but they're saying that they feel strongly that it's going to be somebody who has the entertainment chops and who has, um, all of that background first, uh, because of these Disney, the, the amount of money that they have put into Disney plus and ESPN and Hulu and whatnot. Um, they've really got to find somebody who can navigate all of that and make it profitable. So that's kind of just on your, you know, back, background or keep in mind, um, two names that they put out was Peter Rice, who actually got fired by Bob Chapek yep. <laughs> um, and Dana Walden. Um, she's, she's current uh, cast member. She's, she's currently an executive. Um, so we'll see, you know, if those two names come back later on somewhere down the road um, or how all this works. But um, I thought that was interesting because I think um, initially, again, through the Disney lens, so many of us are are just so invested in the parks. We immediately thought, Josh tomorrow, they're going to come in and they're going to take care of him and they're going to like really get him up to speed and, and he's got two years to learn, blah, 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 everything he needs to do. I'm not saying Josh couldn't do it. I'm just saying it doesn't sound like that's like where it's going. Oh, um, the podcast is The Town. It's called The Town. Um, and it's basically a you know, they're talking about Hollywood. <laughs> so if you're interested in that, there is a whole episode about this um, situation that probably goes into a lot more detail than we have, but you might want to take a listen to that if this topic is interesting to you, um, which we obviously found it fascinating. <laughs> Again, we know that the theme parks are not, not the main reason this change happened. However, we are primarily a Disney theme parks podcast. So Patty did put out the question of, dear Santa Bob, all <laughs> we want for Christmas is dot, 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 where people could share if they could hand Bob Iger their Christmas list now that, now that he has returned. What is it that you would like to see in the next year? What changes would you like to see him make in the theme parks? And Patty, I know you had a couple to start us off. I did. I did. So, and I think, you know, I, I tried to look at things that I think are actually doable, um, but we'll see. Um, first of all, the park hopping rule. I need this to be gone. I need it to die. I need it to never come back. Um, I didn't, honestly, I didn't think this was that big of a deal when it first came out. It really, truly didn't bother me that much until... I went back to the parks <laughs> more regularly and I realized this really does bother me as somebody who likes to rope drop. I like to get there early I and get in, get out, right? Um, but I want to get in, get out and go somewhere else, go to my secondary park. And so when I was done at say Hollywood Studios by 10, 30, 11 o'clock, 
but I had nowhere to go until two o'clock. I didn't like it. I don't like it. Um, I think that there was a reason, the reason they gave us for doing this obviously had COVID concerns and it had, um, you know, staffing concerns and all of that. While I think is is, is valid, I think at this point in time, we need to reassess and take it away. So I'm hoping that that is on his list um, to do so. And I think it was also, um, in terms of the park hopping restrictions, I think the reasons those have stuck around, even outside of COVID, is because the park reservations, if you have those park reservations, if you get rid of the park restrictions or the park hopping restrictions, you know, what's to stop someone from making a reservation somewhere and then still just going to a different park. I do think that the park hopping restrictions of all of the things that people have said, I feel like this is the one that's most likely to get adjusted sooner. And by that, I mean, right now for Walt Disney World, it's a 2 p.m. You have to wait until 2 p.m. and then you can go to your next park at Disneyland. It's 1 p.m. and then you can go mm-hmm. to the next park. But at, at Walt Disney World, if you're there, even if it's after 2 p.m. and you are, you know, oh, you, you didn't get there until later and you don't want to go to your earlier park anymore. You want to meet up with people who are in a different park. You still have to go and tap into your original park. Disneyland does not have that. If you get there, as long as you're there after the park hopping time, you can go to whichever park you want. I feel like that's more likely to be a change that happens sooner rather than later is reducing the park hopping time, maybe to noon, um, but also eliminating that restriction of if you get there after whatever that park hopping time is, no longer having to go this big roundabout way of tapping into that park first and then going to your next park. I think that was the most likely thing to change sooner rather than later. Or they could just simplify it all and just get rid of the reservations altogether. My, my, uh, my, my main issue with the post-pandemic period is how complicated things have gotten. Yes. And hearing what you said, because you and I speak Disney, like that all makes sense. I completely understand it. I get you. Um, and I agree. I, I agree that that's also uh, most likely what they're going to do. However, there are so many people that are coming to Disney for the first time um, during this period of time. And it is, I'm in so many groups where these, these poor folks, they are so confused. They don't, they don't know what's going on. So I, I really just want, I guess my call or my hope, dear Bob Iger, if you're listening to me, um, keep it simple, man, just go back to simplicity, just make this easy again, because that's what I used to preach as a travel agent, as just a big Disney fangirl, uh, was how easy Disney would make your vacation for you. They made it easy for you. And part of that was the park hopping. You could switch anytime you wanted to. You could show up at any park you wanted to. There weren't all these crazy weird, weird rules. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this is the Disney is the only theme park, the only um, amusement parks that are doing this kind of a thing. Like nobody else requires it. So it's not like it's an industry industry wide standard at this point. It's literally just Disney. So I really hope they can dig into this and they can figure out a way that makes whatever business needs that the reservations and the park hopping, you know, solved, they can adjust or deal with or whatever for the sake of the guests who would really, really just like this to go away. And I also feel like that might also help the cast members because I, I feel like they get the, the brunt of it 
when somebody walks up and says, I tried to get in the park today, but they said I didn't have a reservation. Like, what's that about? Right. And let's, let's just make everybody happy and get rid of these things. Cause I think that's the number one complaint I've seen reservations. Like in theory, don't bother me. It's all that came with it. Uh, this park hopping and, and whatever that I honestly just want it to go poof and make that stuff go away. The other thing that I ends up on my list of like Disney used to make things so easy for you trams in all of the parking lots. Um, Listen, those trams are a lifesaver. When you are stuck on the way far deep back end of the Epcot parking lot, because you showed up at, you know, 1030 or 11 instead of at rope drop. um, At the end of the day, whew, that's a hike, man. And they still don't have trams at Epcot and they don't have them at Hollywood Studios. And I think that's, that seat feels to me like should be a priority. I understand that, or at least I assume that tram drivers and trams themselves probably are financially more expensive, but holy cow, man, if you want me to enjoy the end of my day and in, and want to go back tomorrow, please give us those trams back. They make a huge difference. Um, that's at least something that they have announced. They, they said int- they were they going to. intend to bring back. I yes. know that they are off schedule because I think there was one of the parks where it was supposed to be back by now and it's been delayed. Yep. So they're definitely off schedule with it, but they have announced those are, those are coming back. In some parks, they are back, but... Yes, I think in within the next year it would be great to have that fully operating again. I just I just really I feel I feel big about the the trams. I think it makes a big difference. Um the other big hill that I will die on and I might be the only weirdo. It feels like in these groups again that I'm in, I might be the only person who really has heartburn over this, but the mouse keeping Y'all, I know all these hotels all over the country are doing it. And I know it has to do with labor shortages, or at least that's, you know, what they're telling us. And and I I don't know. I haven't had to hire anybody, so I can't say that they're lying. I'm not not trying to say that. But mousekeeping on the regular or on some sort of like schedule again, it is so hit and miss. It is wild. I think I spent five days in one hotel room um, during Wine and Dine, and they never came by, not once. Like, not once. <laughs> um, why, man? <laughs> like- it's interesting. I know when I did my reservation for my recent trip, it did ask. It asked, like, do you want someone to come by? It's supposed by? to be, like, How- every other day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you could say, like, yes, I do want them coming by. I think the default is no. And so that could be, I think the default. Oh no, the- you know, I'm saying yes every single time. So right. yeah, no, no, no. I, I, it, was, it just was one of those things that I'm like, this is one of the things that I have a, a hard time accepting is that not only did the price of the hotel room go up pre- pretty substantially, but you also took something away that is like part of the price of the hotel room that I, I personally really like, like I like coming to coming back from the parks and having my bed made. I like having my wet towels like put away and having fresh fluffy ones. You know, it's just, that's part of like the experience for me of going to, to Disney. So unfortunately I, I don't know that this is coming back. And again, I think I'm one of the few people that actually feel strongly about it, but that would, that's on my list. Um, and I do think for families, having somebody come in and kind of clean things up and make it nice and neat really helps. Like I was, I I felt terrible. I was in this one Facebook group today and somebody said, we're bringing our elves, you know, for elf on the shelf uh, thing for their kids. 
do you think mousekeeping will do something with them every day? I've seen pictures where they do that. And I'm like, sweetie, you're not even going to get fresh towels. They're not, they don't have time to come in and play with your elves either. Like, sorry, hate to break it to you, but you're going to have to be figuring out how to move those elves around because it's not going to happen. And I will add in, if you leave a request for them to do that, please tip them well. Oh, please. <laughs> please absolutely. Please, please, please. Um, so yeah, that... Um, the other thing that I will wrap this up with is, and it goes again, goes back to my idea of um, keeping things simple. <sighs> Listen, I can accept that we're going to pay for Genie Plus slash Fast Passes, whatever. Like I, I understand why why they made that choice, and you know, I, I get it. Um, but just like let's have some static pricing. Let's just say it's going to cost X Y Z, and leave it at that. This whole every day, it could be different. You never know what you're going to get when you wake up and open the app. I hate it. And I think that's the most challenging part about it. At least I'm also, I'm not a fan of the dynamic pricing that they're introducing for single day park Mm -hmm. tickets. I I don't love that because again, say you, if you decide, oh, I plan to go to Magic Kingdom on this day, and then you're going to meet up with someone and they're like, oh no, we're going to Epcot that day. If you've already, I'm sure you can change your park to like a downgraded, a downgraded park. If you, I hate, I'm not calling it I've got a downgraded park. You cannot clip this out and use it against. <laughs> but like, if I don't, I don't, I don't know how this is going to work. If the event that the park that you pay for, you end up wanting to switch to a different one that costs less than what you originally paid, like. I don't know if you're going to be out that money. I'm sure if you want to go to a more expensive park, you'll pay the higher. You'll have to pay whatever that price difference is. I don't know that you'll get your money back if you decide to go to a park that costs less on that day. And But at least with that, when you log on and you're going to pick your park tickets, you can see out however many days what that's going to cost. They have those estimates out there and ready for you. Same thing when you're booking hotels for different dates, multi-day tickets. You can see as far in advance as you need to kind of what the pricings are going to be for those days. It is such a headache when you don't know because you can't get Genie Plus until the day of. And there is no price guide for what it may or may cost. And I I agree with you. I think that they're going to keep that kind of dynamic pricing. They need to be transparent about what it's going to be because especially for families who maybe are traveling with a larger group, and the difference of a certain price jump may determine whether or not they get it that day. And it kind of sucks to have to wake up at you know 6.30 in the morning just to find out, oh, nope, we can't do it this day. Well, let's talk about waking up at 6.30 in the morning. But yeah, exactly. And in and, and, and thinking along those lines of with a big family, uh, you know, I've done that where I've traveled with a large family. And some people are like, it doesn't matter. We're paying it. You know, we're in no matter what. And then other people will be like, no, I'm not paying $30 five dollars for genie i will pay at the max 22 dollars for genie or whatever it might be right and so then again you're at 6 30 in the morning texting each other and you know hey wake up are we buying this or not you know or who's buying it who's not buying it and it it it, it just unnecessarily complicates things and i don't know that some of these executives who they're not going to the parks like we are right and i don't know how much they're talking to real people <laughs> who might have that experience um, to to even grasp just how flipping complicated unnecessarily so they have made this. And I, I will say, um, so Bob Iger 
earlier this week, I think it was, did a town hall with cast members. Uh-huh. And one of the things that did come up during that was talking about how complicated the park pass reservation system is. And his response was interesting because he was saying he has not personally used it mm-hmm. yet. So he didn't want to comment on it before talking with Josh tomorrow about it further. I think he also, I couldn't find the quote, but I believe he also alluded to he, knowing that there was negative perception around it. And I don't think he would acknowledge that if he was not, you know, fully aware of the situation. And I think if he was, if it was something that he was like hardcore set to keep around, I don't think if he, he would have made any negative allusions right. to it because right. he is very careful. He is very how and when he says things, (laughs) unlike some other people who (laughs) say that, you know, animation's not for adults. Adults don't want to put on an animated movie on Disney Plus after they put their kids to bed. Oh, R.I.P. Chavik. Um, (laughs) Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. So we'll see. But that that, that's my plea is let's like let's bring some of, of the simplicity back, which I hope then will also bring that feeling of that magic back of, um, you know, also it, it just overall as a park planner, as somebody who's trying to explain this to people who don't speak Disney, that's one of the biggest challenges for us is, you know, helping them understand. And while we can do these podcasts and we can, you know, have people listen and, and whatever it, it still doesn't always sink in. And so I just, that's kind of my, my hope that if anything comes out of this from a parks perspective, that somehow someplace we go back to some more simple times. I can accept paying more. I can accept that that's the way things are. Um, I'm not fighting. I think that issue uh, that's, that's not the hill I'm going to die on. And it's not that I like spending it or I think there's value in spending it. Like, don't get me wrong. I like free. You know, I prefer free. In fact, one of my preferences would be that if parking was just, I I don't want to pay extra parking at my hotel. I don't like seeing that extra line of $15 or $20 a day uh, for parking. I just want you to wrap that into the price of my hotel room so that I don't know (laughs) that it's an added fee. Um, That's kind of how I feel about like tickets, you know, and, and in my annual pass, if my annual pass is going to cost more, but you are going to take away this park hopping restriction and, and you're going to give me genie plus, and you're going to, you know, there's some things that come with it. That's fine. I can, I can work with that. It's the, what came out of these last two years is just feels a little bit more nickel and dining. Like it's already cost a lot of money to stay at this hotel. And then on, in addition, you have these extra fees and then it costs a lot of money to go into the theme park. But then in addition, there's these extra fees and then that can change every day. <laughs> and all of that just, I feel like it's makes made it so, so unnecessarily complicated. So those are, those are my wishes. I know a lot of people like chimed in and kind of felt along those same lines. Um, but there was also some different wishes that are out there. What, what else is out there too? So what would you like to see? Or what do you think <laughs> has a, a, a snowball's chance in heck of actually happening? So I'll say one of mine and actually sort of does address some of the Disney plus issue. I wish, and this is not a Disney-specific thing, this is any streaming platform, that they were much more willing to sell physical releases of their original content. Mm. I know Netflix does this occasionally for some of the really popular shows. So I know Stranger Things has gotten physical releases. I know not everybody is into physical media now, and they like the immediacy of streaming platforms. I also like it, but I also like to have my own copy of it. 
I will still pay for the platform. And I feel like there's such a misconception of people who run these streamers thinking that, oh, if we if we let them own this, then they're going to drop the service, which is really inaccurate. I know plenty of people who they will keep the service to watch other things that they maybe want to watch occasionally. I really like physical releases of media and movies and TV shows. There are so many things I would buy and I would continue to pay you monthly. Let me buy... Let me buy the Imagineering story on DVD. Let me buy the Mandalorian. Just let me let me buy these things. Let me own them. And that like all of the the MCU shows, I would buy all of them and still keep still keep Disney Plus. So that's my one thing that let me make you let me give you money for Disney Plus more than what I'm already giving you. <laughs> all right, fair, fair. I mean, I, I'm just the opposite. I don't want another DVD in my house ever again. But and I, I also, like I said, I know there's there's yeah. not a lot of people who prefer streaming specifically because it lets them cut down on that. But it's just I I have always been a collector of movies and TV shows. It's just one of my things. I like I like having them, and I like just I just like knowing that I have them. Especially with what we've seen tangent, but what we've seen going on with HBO Max, where things just suddenly disappear one day, oh, even totally. though you're still paying for the streaming platform. Yep, so yep. I would they will eventually have to drop some of the content that has been on there over time. Like eventually they're going to have to kind of cut down and change what's available. And I would just like to always have some things available to me. So that is my number one that I, you know, it makes, it's me. I'm like, let me give you money. I'm like, this is the one suggestion that's like, let me pay you more money. (laughs) Um, Another thing I do think we'll get back. A couple of people mentioned the Disney dining plan which I do think is another one will be back sooner rather than later. I think the most challenging, but is also the one that people want the most is returning to the old fast pass system or a version of it. And that's the one where I just feel like, unfortunately, you know, sorry for the bad pun, but that genie is out of the bottle. <laughs> That you're not sticking it back in there. I think that is a good example of one of those hard decisions that Bob Chapik was able to go in and make. And he could be the bad guy for it and was able to kind of take that on. I think that is something that they probably had been looking for a way to do for a really long time. And having to kind of reset during COVID gave them the opportunity to do that and kind of make that change that would have been almost impossible to make otherwise. I do absolutely agree with simplifying what that process looks like. Um, I would also love, I know it was always a little bit different between Disneyland and Walt Disney World, but I also wish that things kind of were a little bit more consistent between the two parks for people that maybe do travel to both. Trying to understand the differences between them can be confusing, and some of them... I don't fully understand why they are different. Um, I think one is the photo pass being included with your Genie Plus purchase over in Disneyland, but not in Walt Disney World. I would probably be more likely to buy to buy Genie Plus in Walt Disney World if I got my photo pass pictures with it that day, rather than having to either pay a big amount in advance for the full trip. Um, and then the other one, Having photo pass with your annual pass that never should have been taken away. They should add that back into annual pass holders. That was a dumb change. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. See, again, that's like that's like a perfect example of 
you know, just add it to the price of my, you know what I mean? Like if you feel like you need to add it on, that's fine. Just add it to the price and I will pay it. Right. Right. Um, It's reducing the number of microtransactions. That's essentially what the the Disney parks experience has become is a series of microtransactions. Absolutely. And again, there's, there's ways that that can be usable, but when you are doing something that's an experience for people that generally, it seems like they're in this just weird combative mode with each other where they are very clearly now going for the one-time guest. They are trying to go for the people who are doing this big extravagant trip. And this is like, yes, this is my one, my one Disney trip. I'm going to do this and then not come back. Like they've, they are catering a little bit more to the the non-regulars, I guess our way of putting it. However, the way that they have set it up you don't understand what you're doing unless you are someone who goes consistently. I'm someone who goes consistently and I'm still confused half the time, especially because of how quickly things are changing. So I feel like if they are going to continue to focus on the less frequent guests who are going to do a bigger trip and maybe spend more while they're they're in the parks, simplify the experience. So that way, maybe in a few years later, they do want to come back again, other than getting there and thinking, oh my gosh, this was such a headache. I never want to plan a trip like this again. A hundred percent. Yeah. And and I feel like that's also like the beauty in the dining plan. Like personally, um, I, I hardly ever bought the dining plan because I didn't see like apples to apples, like if you could price out what you would buy a la carte versus what you'd, you know, get with the dining plan. Like I didn't need dessert with every single one of my meals, for example. Right. So things like that, I could see where I didn't want the dining plan. However, my husband was like the opposite. He liked that idea of we pay one price. It's all taken care of. All we got to do is tip or pay for some booze, you know, at the end, but like, you know, so it's not like these micro purchases, like you're saying. And so I think that's also why people are really wanting that dining plan back is that idea of, I know what the costs are going to be going into this straight up. Like I don't have to figure it out on a daily or minute by minute basis as things change. So yeah, I agree with you. And I, and I know that's another one of those, those things that people are really interested in. I think it's, I, I don't, the only reason I thought that it wasn't coming back was because it, not enough restaurants were fully opened and staffed. That feels like we're getting there or we're almost there. There's only a handful, I think, at this point that aren't open. Yeah, I think, World. I know 1900 Park Fair, which crushes me because that's a, I love that restaurant and I'm, it's I'm a hope, great, great, great. I'm hoping it comes meal. back. Yeah. I'm almost at the point of like, is it coming back? I hope it comes back. Um, But I feel like that's one of the exceptions that's left because Takumite reopened, um, Akashu reopened. Those were some of the bigger ones that were still holding out or they are. I know Akashu reopened, but there's a couple others that have been announced that they're reopening. So we are, they're almost fully there in terms of their restaurants having reopened. I think some of the, some of the quick service maybe still has a little, different hours where some of the parks, they close a little bit early than others. But I think that's more reason if you're, if the quick service is maybe not being as fully staffed, more of a reason to get the dining plan and kind of look at those dining plans that focus on the table service experience and kind of move people. I mean, the benefit of so many of this, so much of this is, you know, you can, if you're getting people to buy the dining plan that's focusing on table service restaurants, 
you can then kind of push people into going to those table service restaurants and leaving the quick service more available for people who that's not for them. I think that's one of the challenges I, I know right now, especially with no dining plan, I would be way more willing to just figure out quick service for the day and not deal with the hassle of making dining reservations. Yep. If you, But if you know you have your dining plan and you have to do X amount of dining, mm-hmm. you know, sit down dining per day, go for it. So it will be, this is where what'll be interesting when the dining plan comes back if the quick service, because I think one of the, the lower plan was the two quick service meals per day. I'm curious if that will come back. That's the one that I would have a big question mark if that one is not planned. Like they don't plan to bring that one back simply because of some of the the early closing of quick service restaurants. Um, if they would focus more on the one quick service, one table service, or the the deluxe one with the two table service restaurants per day. Yeah, I think I think you have a, a really good point there. And and they I could also see it where they can only sell X amount of dining plans, you know, in a, a certain period of time, right? Because mm-hmm. th- again, that same idea is that nothing not everything is open all the time and you people have to be aware of that. So we'll we'll see what happens there. Um what's the what's the one what's the number one big thing that we kept seeing over and over again that people wanted to bring back? And this is something I would love if they brought back. I was very vocal about my displeasure when it got discontinued. And that is the Disney Magical Express. This is an interesting one. And I'm not sure what they will do. So Magical Express, I know, obviously, people want it back for the convenience. um, And also the fact that, uh, you know, you mentioned earlier, prices have gone up, benefits have gone down. I mean, mm-hmm. that is that is one of them. I always considered, okay, I might be paying a little more for a Disney resort, but I'm not having to worry about, okay, how am I going to get there once I once I arrive at the airport? Um, and, and again, same thing with the, going having, back to my feeling of like keeping your vacation simple, this was such a simple way. Like it was just something the parents didn't have to worry about. Families didn't have to think about. You know, people like you and me, we didn't ever have to worry about. We just walked and got in line and got on our free magical express bus and whisked us off to Disney World, right? Yes. And it so, took it's not like it was necessarily efficient. It still took a while. You might be waiting in that line for a bit or we're getting to the back to the airport super early. It's not there were things that I didn't love about the experience, but the convenience of yeah, just showing up at the airport, to me that was when my Disney vacation started. Now it starts, you know, once I get to the resort, that to me that's kind of the beginning, but it, it again, kind of thinking about the overall feeling of what a Disney vacation is. For me, my vacation started in the airport. And there's not many other places that I would go to and say, oh, I'm in the airport. This is great. I'm already excited. I'm already feeling the magic. Agreed. Agreed. And yep. at MCO, you're great. I don't, there's not, <laughs> MCO, <laughs> you're great. But we do love you, MCO. However, you have to admit that, that going to pick up my mm-hmm. own luggage now, uh-huh, uh-huh. a little less great. A little, little less great. We're First not, world we're problems. So, we're not also. so in love with that. Um, and for anybody listening who's like, what's Magical Express? Magical Express used to be free, it was a trans- transportation service. Um, if you were staying at the Walt Disney World Resorts, you can you ha- you did need to sign up in advance. And if you forgot, it was no big deal. You just walked up and let them know and they took care of you at the little desk. Um, but you signed up for it in advance. It was completely free. It was part of your, you know, your experience of staying at, at the resorts. And it was a free coach service, a big bus, essentially, that would take you back and forth 
to the resort. And they had a cute little video that they would play that would get you all excited. And they had some trivia questions. And so your kids were engaged from the moment you stepped on to this bus. They were thinking Disney World. They were excited. Like one of my favorite memories is we took Seth for the very first time because he was born in Texas. He wasn't born in Florida. Um, He was born in Texas. And so when we took him when he was right around three years old uh, to Disney World, and I have a little video of him sitting on the bus talking about how he's on the bus to go see Mickey Mouse, like, and how excited he was and how he was like pointing up to the TV, you know, and talking about anyway, it was, it was magical. It was magical. And what made it magical also is as Teresa alluded to, you didn't have to go pick up your bags. They would magically appear in your hotel room later on that day. It was a beautiful, beautiful system. Absolutely loved it for families in particular, especially if you had all those kids, all that stuff, all those. I mean, it just, it made things so much easier if somebody else was taking that part of your vacation and just making it land in your hotel room. That's part of the Disney magic. Like you didn't get that anywhere else. And it went away in January of 2020, I believe was the date, Um, which coincidentally Bob Iger was in charge of that when that happened. So we can't, we can't give Bob a pass on this one. Yes. Yeah. So, and that's, and so it was the contract with mirrors had ended or they decided to not continue it. And Mears does still um, run there. They still do transportation to Disney. It's Mears Express is what they're calling it. And it's in the same spot where they used to do it for the Disney Magical Express. Um, I gave my report on that a few months ago when I tried that for the first time. And it was not a great experience for me. My quick rundown was I ended up waiting an hour and a half for the bus to arrive at the airport. It, it, I think I was on the bus for almost an hour because naturally my resort was the last one, which you can't really control that. But it was just a very, very long ride to get there after waiting a while with no re- real answers as to why. But then also leaving to come back to the airport, we waited for 30 minutes with no communication at the resort and all of us, none of us knew. Luckily, there were other people there. So I knew I wasn't alone and being like, did I miss my bus? But we had no communication as to why that was running late. A bunch of people were calling and just kind of got, you know, were on hold for a while. So their communication and their timing, their efficiency is not good. There is currently another option from the Orlando airport to Walt Disney world as a shuttle service. And that's the sunshine flyer. And I will say I did that back in November when I was there and I, I recommend them much more in the time being where there may never be a replacement to Disney magical express that Disney's involved with, or until maybe there is one in the future. Sunshine flyer was great. Uh, when I got there, the most confusing thing about it is finding it. It's essentially um, that you would, you would go the same way that you would like if you were going to Mirrors or the old Magical Express, but it's just on the other side, but there's not really signage. So it took a little bit to kind of understand where I was going. But once I got there, I think I maybe waited 15 to 20 minutes to get on my bus. It took me only 35 minutes to get to, to get to the resort from the airport, which I'm like, this is the fastest I've ever gotten to Walt Disney World. Amazing. <laughs> from the airport. It was All wild. Right. Um, but then even later on trying to get onto it later, they were right on time. Um, it was actually really nice that the 
the bus driver who was coming up initially, he was there, he was initially dropping people off. And then it was a few minutes early. So he checked in. He's like, you know, you're the 1035. I'm like, yep, that's the one I'm getting ready to leave on that. He's like, okay, I have to drive away for a minute to check in. And then I'll be back in a few more minutes to do kind of a second round and then pick people up. So just the fact that somebody, he saw me, he made sure like to check in. Yes, you're there for me. Okay, it's going to be a few more minutes, but I will be right back. It was like, this is amazing. I actually know what's going on while I'm waiting for this. (laughs) But the timing, like I said, there was just everything happened so quickly. And I think especially when you are when you're doing a vacation and especially when you're more so when you're leaving the airport waiting to get to Disney when you're just sitting in the airport with no clue of how long it's going to take, that's really, really frustrating. You just want to go and get started and start enjoying your vacation. And you're just there with people who are getting more disgruntled by the moment. And I know there's the option of, oh, you can rent a car. You can go do like a, a rideshare service. And for me personally, being someone who's visually impaired, that is not a comfortable experience for me. And number one, I cannot rent a car. And number two, when I'm at an airport, I can't tell which ride service car is for me because I can't read the license plates. So I am pretty limited in what my options are when I'm going from an airport to my hotel. So even though, yes, there are other options other than the shuttle services, having one that runs so smoothly and with people that are so good at communicating, if there's any slight change, was wonderful. I highly recommend Sunshine Flyer over Mirrors Express. And also just shout out to Sunshine Flyer because my mind was black and orange and it was called like the Oriole. So they <laughs> they got me right away. <laughs> yeah, let's be honest. They just, they, they got you right there. Well, and it, you know, pricing wise between the two services, it's, it's very, there's not really that much of a difference. So yes, if you're looking for a recommendation, that's what Teresa says. So uh, let us know how you feel about that as well. Um, all right. Well, we're going to wrap this up. Uh, where can they find us if they have any comments on what we talked about today? Sure. So if you have any comments on either of the Bobs, or I think, is Patty, is this going to be our last one for the year? Are we doing another? Uh, I think we're going to try to squeeze one more in um, before the end of the year, but it all, it truly just depends. December's historically pretty busy for all of us. So We'll see what we can do, guys. We're no promises, but um, hopefully you'll hear from us one more time in December. But if not, we will see you in the new year. Okay. But so, yeah, so come join us on Facebook. Our Facebook group is No Guilt Disney. So if you want to talk about any bobs, if you want to talk about things that you hope to see in 2023 at the Disney parks, or if there are things that you want us to talk about next year, make sure you come and join us. You can also reach us by email at noguiltdisneypod at gmail.com and join us each week on the No Guilt Disney podcast because as Patty likes to say, it's no fun to fangirl, Bob Iger alone. Ah, he's back, y'all. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.